Hey, welcome back to Robots After All. I'm Andrew. I'm Tom. Today's topic is going to be The Witcher, uh, kind of talking about it from the perspective of just watching the newest movie that came out on Netflix. Nightmare of the Wolf. Nightmare of the Wolf. Thank you for uh, remembering the title because I did not remember the title of the movie. I know. I wanted to make sure to get it in there. (laughs) Um, But we'll also talk about the game. We'll talk about the live action series and um i actually personally haven't read the books but i have a friend who's read a a lot of the books and he's kind of commented on some of the differences between the series and the books and whatnot so it's kind of cool that it's got such a rich uh kind of background and history that there's kind of all these different mediums that uh it's managed to kind of make its way into the mainstream um yeah i remember actually trying to find the books when the live action show came out on netflix and they were hard to find like i couldn't um that being said I didn't really look online I just was I went to a few bookstores and they didn't have they never had the first um book in the series oh okay I'm like well I'm not gonna freaking buy the number two I mean I'm what who am I like uh <laughs> Judy Dude yeah, Poo Poo I want to skip ahead I don't know who those people are but I don't I think I'm really... trying to think of some of the rhyme yeah good job no Um, the witcher came out to netflix the animated movie an hour and 23 minutes perfect time 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 perfect time frame for film (laughs) i do a lot within that time frame that was very well done well animated um story was put together well it's amazing when you have a movie that length that that has such a concise and well put together story and everything just flows mm-hmm. and you can do it in under an hour and a half. It's that, that to me is like a perfect film where it's like, and where you then you have like these other Epic films that are two hours or more. And it's just, they barely get anything done, but this like builds a character from the start to finish. Yep. And it's very well executed. And uh, it sounded like somebody started racing in the background there. Yeah, that's probably going to happen. So sorry, everybody. We're going to motorcycles. Two viewers. I'm going to start doing donuts. My my house, my place is going to fall over. Um, Yeah, but I do agree that I think the story was very concise. Um, I was in it the entire time I was watching it. There was no um, moments like when you're watching like an extended version of the Lord of the Rings where you're like, wait, is there a bathroom break coming up? Because I'm pretty sure I'm not going to make it all the way through this movie. Or you're just like, wait, is this the end? No, is this the end? Oh, this must be the end. Um, it, it, like I, when it was over, I, I, I wanted more. I was like, okay, they come out with a sequel. Like, you know, I would, would definitely watch a full series of this. Um, I had kind of this immediate reaction of um, liking it better than the live action series mm-hmm. with Henry Cavill, which I also loved. But I do think that that particular series not to jump over there, but it had some moments where it kind of lulled a little bit. And especially on a rewatch, I was kind of just like, I don't need to see this part. I'm just going to skip over this. Sure. Um, whereas I feel like the movie just kind of kept me captivated pretty much the entire time. And, you know, the fact that they use Vesemir as the, the main character, um, it's almost kind of like what Kevin Smith was trying to do with Masters of the Universe Revelation, where he's like, let's tell it from a different perspective. Let's tell it from a story, you know, tell the story 
from another really awesome character who's typically a supporting character, but have them be the main character. But it was done well. You know, it was like it was um, like you said before, they, they brought the character up from being a child to being, you know, to kind of the coming of age uh, and and kind of seeing his roots to kind of where he goes and then, the, you know, the story after that. So um, it was just very, very well thought out, well executed, well animated, well acted. Um, so yeah, all um, the actors did an amazing job. And I guess we can go into spoiler territory since that's probably what this what um, what this podcast uh, about it will be anyway. Um, like all of our podcasts, yeah, we just talk. We don't really bother with trying to hide any care about people's feelings. No, <laughs> that's why we put it in the title. But um, yeah, from the seeing the the origin story was really cool, which I guess you could kind of call this which I was telling you before, it's kind of like an origin story to the Witcher and like how they're made in this kind of weird medieval lab environment where they're using, um, what exactly are they using? Is like monster <laughs> fluid? Like, is it from like fluid from monsters to make I, I don't think it, I mean, I'm sure it's totally 100% explained in the books because that's how those types of books are. But I, like I said, I haven't read the books, but it seems to be, um, some combination of ancient magic that only specific older mages actually contain the knowledge of, but they're using, I mean, it seems like it's kind of like partially magic, partially alchemical. So there's some kind of um, com uh, component or um, chemical or something that's coming from a specific monster that they're able to create this compound uh, that they then, um, infuse in the children or in the boys i really should say because it's only boys typically um yeah i mean i haven't played full disclosure i mean i don't know much about the witcher history the lore i've only played a little bit of wild hunt and i know there's two games prior to that so they could easily go into a lot of this as well that i'm not familiar with have you played those games as a at all i i did not play the first one uh, so for well i played the third one inside and out absolutely loved it Okay. Um, I, I did not play the first one and I tried, I played the second one before the third one came out. Um, and it was very hard for me. It was one of those games where I was like, oh, this looks kind of cool. It's kind of in the, you know, theme of game that I, that I enjoy. And the combat was very clunky and kind of difficult. And like, I just, it just didn't catch. I just couldn't get into it. Was two on the PS3 or? Well, for me, it would have been Xbox 360. because I never PS3, but yeah. yeah. So it probably felt a little dated. Yeah. Especially if you played Wild Hunt first. I mean, you're going from like. Well, I didn't. I played. I played the second one first. Oh, you did play the second one. Yeah, yeah. I played it before Wild Hunt came out because it was on 360. Gotcha. Um, but it was one of those games where I, I picked it up, I played it, and then I was like, "This isn't really for me." Kind of like Dragon Age uh, is another game like that where I picked it up, I tried to play it, couldn't get into it. But I feel like if they came out with another one, it could be like the the wild hunt version of that where it's like really, you know, well done and kept, you know, catches my, uh, my interest. But then when wild hunt came out, um, all the cinematics for it looked like really incredible. It was also one of the first really big titles that came out for PS4 when I had, a, when I got a PS4. Um, and I got really hooked into that game. So that that's kind of really when I would say I became a fan of the Witcher, which I think is true for a lot of people. It's kind of similar to fallout three to think the, uh, the third game is kind of the charm, uh, 
when that comes out that people actually you know finally <laughs> third time's a charm it's, yeah. it's like it's like catching up to getting all working out all the kinks and catching up to that next gen level so you can kind of put a lot more into it yeah. but um back to the movie i mean seeing that kind of how it all kind of came to be especially from Bessemer because he was kind of this like poor kid had like a nice girl that he hung out with who, who was who was clearly like a crush or something they hung out and then he gets wrapped into this um sees the uh his his mentor or soon-to-be mentor perform like an exorcism type of witcher style and he gets into that um he, um that lifestyle of, of training to become a witcher and that whole s- sequence is insane and up to the point where you have like these little kids that are what like probably under like around 10 or under and we both kind of talked a little bit about this off record but like just when they get put out into the wilderness by themselves and you're like okay this is interesting and then they all just start getting picked off very violently like <laughs> one by one and it was just like whoa big shocker moment what you you mentioned is actually uh true to that lore of like they mention it in the wild hunt yeah they do so i, I want to actually back up a little bit because sure. he didn't just grow up poor he was a slave they were oh, slaves. Right, right yeah <laughs> so and then this guy comes along who is like this kind of gruff mercenary and makes a bunch of money from basically doing mercenary work and that looks very attractive to him because by comparison to slavery that's like very kind of you know glamorous and exciting and, and adventurous and then kind of chases after it whereas most people who are not slaves look at the witchers as second class citizens like they they consider them to be like kind of a a stain on society and um, but he kind of looked up to him because of where he was, you know, his position was completely powerless, like living in slavery and having kind of no way out. So it was like his only way out. Um, and I liked how when he made the decision to leave, he asked the, the kind of um, uh, childhood romance um, or romantic interest at the time, you know, would you come away with me, blah, blah, blah. And she's just like, she, she makes a really good point. She's like, so basically I'm going to serve kind of one master versus, you know, serving another. She just kind of saw it as more bondage servitude. Um, and I think it kind of took away from what was special about their relationship that they were kind of equally experiencing this kind of suffering together that brought them closer together. Um, so I thought that was kind of like a very, it was a very quick thing, but like a lot of kind of emotional impact or a lot of kind of thought put behind the, the reasoning. Um, and when he takes off, it's interesting because all the boys that um, are there are either like, you know, uh, a child of surprise, which basically is a, ch- a child that's owed to the witchers uh, based upon a debt being need- needing to be paid um, right. or, you know what I mean? Like, so they're kind of taken though. Nobody wants to be there. And he, and Vesemir is just like, <laughs> he's like, Oh wait, I'm the only one who volunteers. Yeah, he's, oh, he's, he's like at the casino. He's just like, this is great. Like, I can't yeah. wait to be a witcher. Like you're going to be, you're going to be great. And you're going to be great. And we're all going to be great. And then that night <laughs> they just get taken in their sleep out yeah. to the bog where all this stuff happens that you're describing. And I feel like that's the first time he really gets to see like, fuck, maybe the witchers aren't, you know, the organization that I thought they were, or, you know, and I think a lot of that vision 
kind of comes from that that uh i can't think of his name but the gruff kind of like head witcher at the time um who's basically kind of creating these battle hardened warriors you know that if they survive some of their initial trials they're kind of worthy of getting the mutagen to actually become witchers so it's right. kind of intense like when it it kind of happens so quickly but it's like I thought it was an illusion. I thought it was an an illusion at first. I was like, wait, is this really happening? Because there was a moment where like the specters show up and they're just like blowing up kids. And then it looks like he had like a flash or something. Like it seemed like it was illusion, but then they kind of. Yeah. It was also kind of suspect that there were so many different attacker types. Mm -hmm. There's so many different monster types where it was like it could be an illusion where it's just like, hey, you might see one of these in the future. You might see one of those, but just kidding, you're in the danger room. Yeah. Um, But no, they actually killed all the kids. (laughs) Yeah, it was straight up. And actually, I think very the very beginning of the show, like how I knew the show was going to like not pull any punches, is the very first scene. They have like a family traveling along the road, and the wagon uh, that they're all traveling in gets attacked. Oh, right. Everybody dies and all the kids die except for one, I think. Yeah. And that was like a family, right? And then yeah, the whole family, they the all die. The guy was just like, yeah, monster. They're talking about like, oh, we're fine. We're safe. And then he just gets like gutted and immediately up yeah. like a giant vine goes up through his mouth. Super. Yeah. Gory. And they throw his like lifeless body off to the side. And it's like one of those things where it's like close in the camera and like the family's still in the background, still kind of facing the the threat so i mean i knew right away it was like wow this show is like not pulling any punches this is going to be intense oh, yeah. Uh, yeah they went full on like gore don't care if kids get killed don't care who gets killed right. um we're just going to show it and you're going to watch it and love it <laughs> and it was just true to, it was just true storytelling like i feel like there was no ulterior motive in any of the storytelling there was no um it just felt very pure you know, and, and maybe it's certainly it's not for everybody, but like, I just felt like it was like, it reminded me of like when we would sit down with like a, we'd, you know, we'd, we'd go to like a, a, a Saturday matinee or like strawberries and get like a new anime VHS and be like, I really like the artwork on this. Like, let me check out what this anime is about. And you'd pop it in and just be like blown away by just like how um, just like unfettered the experience was like, just you know, it just took you on a journey that you just really weren't expecting. And, and that this, this movie harkened back to those kind of older days of just like, there are no limitations, whatever story we have to tell, we're going to use whatever mechanisms we need to, to tell it. And mm-hmm. um, it kind of, it touched on like every, it touched on everything in a way where it was very balanced. Like it had like good trajectory, good storytelling, you know, there was a really strong emotional pulse throughout it. There was good tension build up. There was like, you know, everything was like paced very well. Like it just, it just like hit yeah. all the boxes. Great follow through. I mean, the whole thing kind of just lines up and hit a home run. Yeah. Um, lines up and hit a home run, as I always <laughs> say. Uh, but yeah, that's that first scene is just amazing because they really, then they jump right into the action where the Witcher, uh, Vesemir shows up and yep. you see like his true abilities and what he's capable of. And like kind of his snarkiness where he makes kind of like cheesy commentary, like just silly dialogue, but it's well done in a way where you're now like, okay, let's calm down a bit. It's like they sneak it in there and he's just kind of like this little snarky, smart ass uh, witcher in a way who's like, I got where I am because I went through a lot of shit and now I want to, you know, do whatever I want, make money, 
get in a nice hot tub. But yeah, that just like the animation, these animators in this movie, they're insane. You gotta shout them out. Yeah, um, super good animation. Yeah, flawless and sound and music. Some of the music was cool. I remember one specific um track or whatever you call it where there's like a flute and it almost sounds like a shaku shakuhachi flute like the uh samurai monk flute that i have and it was really cool it like opens up with this flute and then it kind of goes into this little bit more of a heavy thing and i think it was when they were meeting that first elf naked demon elf character with the ba- uh, basilisk mm-hmm. And that fight ensues. And that was amazing with, with Tetra and her magical abilities were, I didn't expect her to be that powerful. And she's just like, so that's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to just see animation in that heavy of a detail, like um, on screen. It's like, uh, it, it's like you're saying, it's like getting a new, like when we'd go to stores and get it and then, uh, a new anime and see it for the first time you're so hyped about how well done the animation and and is and that's always like a big big thing for me it excites me to see like all the little all the little things they do to make the animation um perfect looking yeah yeah and like i think that um you don't often realize how much credit is kind of deserved for making action look exciting and potentially you know realistic when it's being very unrealistic um in an anime and i think that when it's not done well you go okay or you like roll your eyes or whatever but like when it when it's done well um the animators have really done their job like you don't question anything you're just like literally in it the entire time and i feel like this film did that where during that fight scene with the basilisk and stuff like all of the um you know, invisible force energies or like the, all of like the smoke and like, or like the, the um, avalanche of snow, like all that stuff was just so well animated that, you know, it felt grand. It felt, uh, I don't want to say realistic because realistic is not the right word, but it felt believable in that world that they've built, that this is exactly what it would look like. This is exactly how it would behave. This is exactly what it would sound like. Um, they just not a lot of them. It seems a lot of it is like hand drawn as well. There's not a lot of like 3D. I think a couple times I noticed uh, the basilisks were a 3D model, but yeah, for the most part, it's like really highly detailed, and you you feel the impact of a hit or a strike or an attack or whatever you wanted, and all the stuff that's going on. So yeah, it all came together really nice. Um, so the yeah the I guess we can get into like the twist of it or where do you want to go from there? Because I know that the, the, the twist is like the big story arc. Yeah, we can get into that. Um, well, there's a couple twists. There's a couple twists. A couple twists, but the, one I guess the big one, yeah. the big one is, you know, that the, the King's advisor um, who's, you know, fairly old uh, turns out to be the, um, romantic interest from when they, when they were kids, but because it witchers don't age the same way that, you know, humans do because of the, the mutation, you know, Vesemir still looks very young and she's clearly aged. She looks like she's aged probably 30 or more years um, after him, even though they're the same age. So um, 
that whole yeah it was very cool and you know what it was like there are just like sometimes these moments that are just so well done and so believable um and could very easily be heavy-handed or feel like out of place or feel weird but they just do it right um i love that there was still a romantic spark between them regarded because like they technically were still the same age and like the appearances just didn't matter at all um and it just right. felt very that, that felt very real to me like that yeah that played in a way where it was like, yep, totally, totally buy it. Totally believe it. Like he's always loved her. Like she's always loved him. Like it's just real kind of pure romance and there's no, um, you know, uh, it, it just like flowed very, very naturally. And it yeah, kind of right. gave that release or that, that like satisfaction. I think we were looking for as the viewer to be like, you know, they grew up together, they loved each other. And then, you know, they finally kind of have their moment together when they're older. Yeah, that that connection is always there, and they never had like uh, any any like um, falling out per se. They just right. kind of like went separate paths, went separate ways. Yeah, I mean, she wasn't willing to come with him. He needed to do what he needed to do to get out of being a slave. Um, and you know, then their paths kind of finally crossed. But I thought it was interesting that her character before they do the big reveal, she's kind of protecting the witchers. She knows that he went off to be a witcher. You know, she at least knows that much about him. Yeah. And she's still kind of hearkening this uh, affinity toward the witchers because she knows he's a witcher. So she's always felt that way, even though the rest of society, especially where she, in her status of society, the witchers are considered to be, you know, again, these second-class citizens, like she doesn't care. She's like trying to get to, you know, um, she's trying to get to center. She's trying to, you know, be reasonable and kind of take more of a middle path with things rather than kind of the, um, the extremes that the world are kind of saying, you know, people either kind of revere witchers as like being very helpful, or they think that they're kind of scum of the earth and they need to be, um, like Tetra thinks that they're basically. Yeah. And that leads to the next, list, which is, yeah. well, we have Tetra who's, no, is suspicious of the witchers knows thinks that they're creating these monsters or not necessarily creating them but like maybe letting them like spawn or or become more multiple so they can make money off of hunting them right which and, and she just knows that they're corrupt from her own experience she's seen the corruption right. in the organization to know that they're not trustworthy yes so that all becomes i mean pretty much true when Vesemir finds out that uh, that's happening. <laughs> that, that's exactly what's happening. He goes finally goes into the bottom of the basement in the Witcher um, lodge, I guess you'd call it, or castle. Caremorn, it's called. Caremorn. Yeah, and that's where they're just breeding monsters. Breeding seems like mainly basilisks, but I mean, obviously, other stuff's going on. <laughs> um, so yeah, hey, anybody order a basilisk? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, they find out that Tetra's is justified to, or I forget the word escapes me, but allows her to kind of be like, oh, let's see, I was right. So Vindicated, let's go yeah. vindicated, yeah. And then they she goes after them, and that's kind of like the final battle is like she summons all these monsters to like um which is kind of hilarious that she's essentially using you know she's she's using something corrupt to fight the corruption so she was kind of an interesting character because 
she kind of was the villain in the story. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was one of those things. And, you know, it's, it's funny. I think this is a theme in The Witcher in general where morality is very much blurred. Mm. Like any, any one character you look at when you kind of turn them sideways, like they just, they look a little bit different. Everybody um, has their flaws. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of things like even in the game where like, and, I, I, you know, this isn't really totally a spoiler, but it's like you might come across a mission where, you know, it's like you have to make a decision to like save a bunch of orphans and then like mm. decide to save the orphans because it's the right thing to do. And then, well, because you do that, like this guy's wife dies. And you're like, I actually remember oh. that, that exact quest. I did that one. Yeah. So it's like, they're like in like they're like a it's like a, almost like a. Oh, uh, it's also like a swamp or like a bog. Your bread house. What's that old folk folk tale? fairy tale not a gingerbread house that's hilarious that you remember it like that but <laughs> it's like a house made out of food what the hell grumble and dumble harry and hallie harry met sally rumble and dumble are you talking about hansel and gretel Hansel and Gretel. thank you it's it's, it's like a hansel and gretel situation in a way like the alternate universe version like the berenstein bears versus berenstein bears grumble and grumble is grumble the and grumble. alternate universe version yeah that's the mandela effect version <laughs> um, anyway that quest it's kind of like a hansel and gretel situation where like the witches are like actually or the the people that have took the kids are actually these horrible witches and, and they're all in yeah. a spell anyway crones yeah um yeah so anyway getting back to the, the what i was kind of the point i was trying to make around the, the whole rowdy thing is that like tetra has a point but she's also corrupt in her own way the the head witcher you know, does some good, but he also was corrupt in his own way. Vesemir, you know, his motivations were kind of purely selfish, but there's obviously more to him than that. And he's obviously a good person. And you see that obviously much later in his life, but. Um, yeah, because he's obviously not in agreement with what's going on. He's like, right. Shouldn't be he's not all about, these. yeah. This is all uh, the head guy's name, Deglin. Is that his name? I'm looking at the cast. I think Deglin is the head witcher. Yeah, maybe. I believe you. So yeah, I've been like horrible with names for some reason. Duncan's like, hey, we gotta make some money, honey. Besimir's like, well, you know, this ain't the way to do it, baby. And they kiss and make up. Yeah, at the end. The end. Now there's a crazy fight scene, a lot of cool fighting moments. Um, they they plan all the fight scenes out really well too, so it's not like overdone. It's not just yeah. like a bunch of action. It's like it does it like this, but boop boop boop. But um. It's just, a horse, it's just a horse going across the screen. Horse galloping. <laughs> That's the pattern of the, the fat fight scenes. Um, yeah, they have a big fight scene. And then there's an, another like mini twist where, so that elf, the naked. Uh, is, is there a twist that there's another fight scene? Twist and shout, you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> oh, and they, they have like, they have like that demon elf, but she can cast illusions. I don't think we mentioned that. Her illusions are her thing. And illusions, Michael. So he's trying to like save, he's trying to save the people that can make witchers, the alchemists, clerics, wizards, what have you, whatever they're called. And I don't know what the deal is with them. If they're like the last of their kind, they're the only ones that are able to do this. They have the recipe in their mind. And the recipe is king to them. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> I don't know what I was trying to say. Um, yeah, they. In fact, 
I think that particular mage that um, that died was the only one who actually knew how to kind of blend the the ancient magic with the alchemical uh, recipe to make the um, whatever that compound is that makes the witchers. Okay. Religion. Yeah, the little injector, whatever it is. Um, so they're kind of like held hostage. It's like the last moment, crazy fight. All of Vesemir's friends, pretty much all the witchers other than Vesemir are left and like Deglin, the head witcher. And uh, Tetra has them trapped and then the elf witch like casts an illusion on him. And then it's kind of like, so it's it plays dream this, life kind of thing. Yeah, they have they play this trick on us where he finally breaks the illusion, but that wasn't the last illusion. There was still another one, and that's where you're kind of like that's like the, the mini twist. So it's like so Vestimir is like fighting a big fight scene with Tetra, and then it he kills her, but it turns out that that was actually what's her face, the the old romance best friend, because that was another illusion. But then yeah, the two people that he thought that he was killing that were the enemy turned out to be both the mage and his love interests, which yes is was super tragic. But you knew I knew that the, the mage had to die because I knew in the story that they they can no longer make any more witchers. The witchers that they have are the only witchers that will ever exist because they don't have the knowledge to make any more. So in right. when you get to the storyline in the wild hunt, the witchers are kind of dying out because they're the last of their kind, the ones that are there. And that gets to the last twist of the whole show. And it's funny, I actually called this, not that I'd be able to prove it while I was watching it, but um, there's a there's a bunch of children that are left. And I'm like, well, since there's only these children, one of these has to be Geralt. Mm. And I was like, I bet it's the bald one. It has to be yeah. the bald one. Well, it has to be, because he's like, I want, I know how to escape. He's so the only just one. Not just that, but he doesn't have, like, none of them had white hair. So he... It would be a dead giveaway if they made him have white yes. hair. Yeah. They didn't so want to make it obvious. That's Geralt. And then yeah. right at the end, Vesemir, who is Geralt's mentor yep. in later games, he's much older in The Wild Hunt. Um, he basically addresses him as Geralt right at the end. And I was just yeah. like, wow, beautiful. Like, so perfect. Oh, like, yeah. Less of a twist, really, than a reveal, because I feel like... Yeah, I guess you're right. But, um, yeah, it was... That was like the last final moment, minus like his old friend romance. On like he he like melts the lake. So oh, that's amazing! Yeah, warm lake, and they they just lay together, kind of watching the the lake as she passes uh, away. But I, I love too, like when I, when I saw that moment, and you're kind of like, I feel like in that moment you're taking in kind of his whole life with her, and just thinking about all the kind of tragedy that he's kind of experience and like you know obviously like the good times as well but most of the i mean most most of what you see in the movie is him experiencing a lot of hardship and tragedy and then you kind of fast forward to him in the in the wild hunt you know when when he's training Geralt and like his character um it kind of has that feel like uh what was the um uh rogue one a star wars story right when you get to like see all of the detail behind that one line in a new Empire Strikes Back is like many people died giving you know going getting going to get us these plans. And it's like one throwaway line, and they basically like make a movie like, hey, let's uh, show what happens when all those people die to get those plans. Yeah. Um, 
that that's what this felt like to me where it's like there's this whole life behind this character that isn't really developed uh at least in the wild hunt um which i know is such a small piece of the lore for like kind of what obviously the books cover but um so maybe some of the stuff that was in the this movie was is also covered somewhere in the book series but I feel like for a lot of kind of the average person who's into the Witcher at this point in time, they got exposed through the Netflix series or the game or the, you know, the wild hunt specifically. So I feel like this, this was kind of tailored to that audience more so than maybe people who were hardcore fans of the book. So. Right. Yeah. Really, really well done. Um, was very surprised how well done it was. Like yes. I expected to be like, Oh, that was okay. Like whatever. But instead it was like, just totally blew me away. Yeah, it blew me away. I love that everything about it. And then I highly recommend it if you have Netflix. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, watch. assuming you probably saw it already. If you're watching a spoiler, <laughs> if you haven't watched it, then you just heard all about it and you don't need to watch it anymore. So, yeah. And after I saw that, I was like, I really need to finish that game. And I kind of wanted to go back and re rewatch uh, The Witcher with Henry Cavill. And I kind of started the first episode and I got past like that first monster thing i was like oh this is kind of fun and uh yeah. that series was really good it just it just like i said it has a few sections in it that that kind of lull a little bit but yeah. for the most part it's it's a pretty top-notch show and henry cavill completely nailed Geralt's character i was really worried because Geralt is not an easy character to portray um has a very specific kind of feel from the game once again which is kind of like mm. the main source material everyone's expecting you know I, I wonder how it is for people who are hardcore fans of the books to kind of see the game and be like okay this is now the new standard for Geralt like there's kind of like I mean even like when um the Michael Keaton Batman came out or like the Batman animated series came out right like now Kevin Conroy is Batman like that's the standard for Batman that's what we expect Batman to to sound like yeah uh, or like Mark Hamill with the Joker. Um, and I feel like Geralt, you expect him to have that low, gruff voice that Henry Cavill like really nailed um, and made it believable. Yeah, and uh, toss some coin to your Witcher. That was a great song. <laughs> Everybody loved that. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, great, great series. I, I definitely want to rewatch it and revisit the game. Or Definitely play the game. The game is... Um, now the, sorry, what? I was just going to say CD Projekt Red is obviously getting a lot of kind of guff right now because of the whole debacle with Cyberpunk 2077, which, you know, it is what it is. Like, you know, it's unfortunate. I think this, the, this, the bones of that game are very, very good. And it's very, very, you can tell that it's, it's really meant to be polished once they kind of work through the bugs. Like it would be a very polished game. Um, but unfortunately, I feel like it's kind of had its chance to shine and just kind of, I think it's just kind of stained from, from here on out. But when, when the you Witcher, no, I actually didn't. I, um, I had been waiting for, originally I was waiting for, um, a next gen console. Then I got the next gen console and I was like, well, now I'll just wait for them to fix all the bugs. And I feel like every single time a new patch comes out, people are like more bad news for cyberpunk. So I'm just kind of still waiting for the game to get stabilized to some it's like they they patch something and then I read and they're like, oh, this patch uh, allows people to exploit X, Y, and Z. You know, it's just like a new patch and then like they just find a way to like break it again or something. I don't know. 
the the version that I so I have it updated to a certain point. I think it's like the third patch that they did. Um, so like the very first day one patch they did, then they did like a patch like a couple weeks later, and then I think I did one more update after that, and it was good. Like it seemed to be very stable where I have it right now. So maybe I should just play it that way. Um, you know, I have friends who have definitely beaten it and uh, they they haven't had any issues with uh, any kind of game breaking bugs, but. My brother, I mean, you know, what's up? I used to say my brother played it on Stadia and he said that it played like really well for some reason. People were saying that playing on Stadia, it ran pretty good. Yeah, maybe that's the best way to play it. <laughs> um, I, played, I played it on Xbox Series X and that um, I haven't tried it on PS5, but on Xbox Series X, it, it runs pretty well, for, at least with the update that I have. Um, better than Xbox One X, so I tried it on that, and it looked like it had this weird like film on it. It didn't look like clear. It was really gross looking. Um, and then when I loaded it up on Series X, it was like 60 frames per second, beautiful graphics, you know, really mm -hmm. solid frame rate, like no major clipping or or, or uh, glitches. But anyway, so back to the Wild Hunt real quick. So you know when they when they launched the first uh, edition, of the Witcher Wild Hunt, you know, it came with this nice slip cover. Um, He's and holding a PS4 copy of The Witcher, and I have an Xbox. Oh, yeah, the opposing, the opposing one, and it came with all these, with all these goodies. When I when I first opened this up, I remember being very touched by this kind of personal letter that they included, um, and you know, it was very much a money where your mouth is kind of situation because they gave you this letter talking about how much they care about the fans and how much they care about you know how passionate they are about the game, and then they gave you stickers to go along with that. They give you uh, a little mini game guide because this is a massive game that you can feel very overwhelmed with very quickly. If you if you load this game up, you're just like, what do I do? Where do I go? How do these systems work? What the hell is this? Um, one of the games like Skyrim where it's like, do I need these snowberries? What am I going to use these for? Should I grab some of these clement, you know, uh, these clementines? Um, do I need bread? Is bread good? Uh, like this, they show like what all the men like the, the user interface everything represents which is kind of nice because yeah. that, that interface is kind of nuts like once you get once you figure it out it's like everything else it's like very simple and you're like i wish there was more um but but yeah i agree it was very overwhelming at first there's a little compendium which again is a book so that's basically two books and then they give you a map uh which is pretty sick and then they give you a soundtrack so i mean for a 60 dollars game you're getting this incredible you know, probably 60 to 80 hour experience, all these goodies, um, you know, and a, and a nice like slip cover, which again, not, not many game companies are, are doing that. I mean, half the time when you open up a PS4 game, you're lucky to get the full plastic case, <laughs> you know, never mind actually having like a book or, or any kind of bonus content. So, so um, CD Projekt Red really put a lot of, you know, love and, and care into this game. We salute you for your support and wish you a fantastic next generation of RPG gaming. CD Project Red. Huh. Um, CC Siri Siri. Is she actually a Witcher? Is that a spoiler? And if it is, don't tell me. But is she even like actually a Witcher? She just have like magic powers. Oh. Guess that's a spoiler. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> I just held up both CDs and went, whoa! <laughs> <laughs>
for those just listening. Yeah, I found this at Goodwill, everybody. Uh, six ninety nine for Witcher. They're an original print WB Games warning. Read instruction manual for information about. Oh, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> this is another one of those games that like I was talking about in the last episode, where I really think that sealed copies of the first edition of this game will be highly collectible in the future. Um, it was the first game that kind of brought Witcher into the mainstream. So games like that are just going to be, um, it'll take, you know, probably 10 years, 15 years. And then people will go, oh, remember uh, how amazing, you know, Witcher Wild Hunt was? I'd love to hunt down one of those original copies that had the stickers and the soundtrack and the map and the letter from CD Projekt Red back when we still liked them. <laughs> uh, or maybe, you know, in today's kind of modern climate, once you betray your fan base with something like Cyberpunk, that's it. You're kind of dead to the community and no one will ever speak of witcher again who knows yeah it's a sad story because i'm sure they really did put a lot of time into that game trying to make that I, game i honestly think that i look at this very differently I mean, kind of like it, not to oh good i was gonna say it's kind of like a historical moment in gaming you know it's like it really brought to light a lot of like what the game industry like those companies go through Yes. And and now it's like delay, 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 delay everything, delay it all. Yeah. I mean, so I, I am, you know, on, on my day job, I'm in, in a business consulting world. And it's interesting for kind of me to look at it from the outside, you know, versus kind of a basic consumer, like knowing full well that the people who are actually, you know, the 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 chair, the the chairman of the board or like, you know, the people who are actually providing the capital to fund these projects they're going to force decisions they're going to force timelines on things that you know the artists and the people who are passionate the people who are writing these letters that are going in getting getting included in these games you know they're um there's two opposing kind of forces in that world especially once you make a bunch of money so witcher wild hunt did really well they the company grew they were able to hire more heads they probably got more capital infused into the company they probably got more stakeholders to peas with that you know capital infusion and now you have to deal with you know uh challenges that you you know previously you might have been very you, you would have had the ability to be very agile with but now you're beholden to your stakeholders that you know want to see results and um and bottom lines by a certain time like when they put the money in they're saying okay by this date my money needs to be x percentage increased or, you know, we're going to have a problem and it could be contractual in some cases, and they may have weighed the pros and cons of breaching a contract. And knowing full well, they were going to get backlash in the community, they were going to get lawsuits and they're like, you know what lawsuits are going to be cheaper than, you know, the breach of contract. The backlash in the community is what it is we'll try to fix it in post and just get bug, you know, bug, uh, bug fixes and hot fixes and patches out as fast as we possibly can, and they had to make the decision you know, because they kind of got too big for what they were trying to do. You know, I think that there's a, there's a business mismanagement aspect to this, which um, it's just tough to really kind of point a finger at any one particular. So it's like, do you get mad at the company because they took on, you know, more employees and tried to make more jobs? And, you know, do you get mad at the company because they tried to infuse more capital into it to, to grow it and, you know, try to build a better product? Like, they don't really strike me as the kind of company who was trying to get greedy per se um, like an EA where they're like, you know what? Cyberpunk 2077 microtransactions up the ass so that you can have different color hair and 
you know, if you want the more than two genital choices, you're going to have to buy the, uh, the genital, uh, uh, variety pack. You know, they didn't go that route where like they, you know, tried variety to... pack. that's what I want in every game. <laughs> they, um, they didn't, they didn't go that route. There wasn't like the kind of evil game industry stamp on it that we, you know, usually can smell from a mile away. So I do think that there was a bit of a, I think, you know, it was a combination of people really being emotionally upset by being so hyped about something and have it be so disappointed. And I was very disappointed as well, but I do think it's like, these things are not really look, you know, looked at through a lens of, of all of the kind of interesting, interested parties or kind of perspectives that are really at play. Well, I think, especially since, um, that game, like, when was that announced? Like eight years ago or something? It's been in production for a while. So, uh, I, think was, I think it was six years at this point. I want to say it was six years at this point, but yeah, it was a while. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a long time. So, I mean, I'm, they're getting kind of like pressure from everybody that like wants to make money from it, you know? So it's like, yeah. Yeah. But and now everybody's like sympathetic and kind of like delay games if you want just make them good i think we yeah, i think we've been saying that all along you know i i well maybe not but i do feel like um like when halo got delayed i wasn't mad about it it's like that's fine and, and nowadays too we have so many games to play we're so backed up on games i know and you can find yourself playing something like destiny 2 for instance that you've already played to death and you're replaying it again yes yes um, well, Game really Pass is that's like the worst offense about Game Pass is just like the the you, uh, have, you have Game Pass? Yeah, I have Game Pass, everybody. It's totally worth it. It's the Netflix of gaming. Everybody should have it. It's got a lot of games, indie games, triple A games, Halo's coming to it, Psychonauts 2 just came to it. Um, 12 minutes sp- came to it. This is not a sponsored video, by the way. Game Pass is not sponsoring this video. Well, you might not know about that, but I'm getting some insight. <laughs> You're getting some uh <laughs> points if you know what i mean (laughs) they pay you in free games but no they just came out psychonauts 2 came out i haven't even tried it yet um yeah anyway game pass cool go get it you need to go you need to go play witcher 3 wild hunt that's definitely on your bucket list now because it is a must play game re-download it because i had to delete it i still have the saves so nowadays you have to upload it with the disc then you got to download it with the update and then you got to delete it. Delete it. Start over again because you realize the patch ruined the game. So you got to read, you know, reinstall Unplug it without the patch. system. Yeah. Send it back to Xbox. Write them a note. Turn the turn the Xbox upside down. That's how you unlock the secret levels. Yeah. When you get it back, you have to turn it upside down for at least two days. Each like you have to also like angle it. After that, a lot of people don't know about this, but when you angle it, that that like filters out all the bad bugs. They just go right out the bottom. Yeah, you won't have any clipping or um, <laughs> no no kind of weird floating artifacts or yeah. So I, and I think you get an extra. I think you get an extra silver sword that way as well, which is pretty cool because you need. The oh, that's right. But that's only if you're you remember each step exactly. Right, you have to do it in order. Silver sword so. in Halo of all games. Would you get a, a sword in Halo? Are you kidding me? It's yeah, crazy. I didn't realize Are you we were talking about Halo. I thought we were talking about uh, Witcher 3. No! Silver sword in Halo, my friend. <laughs> okay. Not an energy sword. I don't know. We're going back to the original Halo. Like the crowns. Right. The crown. When they actually, when they were all wearing knights outfits. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That 
that's how you do it, everybody. So. Very cool. Well, I think this wraps this episode. That's been robots after all, everybody. Thanks for watching. Did you want to meander on about some other topic for the last like 30 seconds or so to just like not really end the episode? I've been doing P90 again. (laughs) Power 90, the original. You know that originally came out on VHS, Power 90? I think then it was like the weird phase where VHS and like DVD was starting to come in slowly, but VHS was kind of like right still trying to like put it together. And yeah. Can you uh, talk about the fact that you keep calling it Power 90 as if like to say World Wide Web instead of WWW Power 90, baby P90. Yeah, P90. There you go. Oh, Power 9. I mean, that's what the P is implied. You don't have to say the power P, part. The P on the DVD is power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel like we need to splice in that you need to splice in that scene with shake saying hey guess what the d's for but the reason i bring up vhs and this is the last thing i'll say is that it's Wait, do you promise the format is like the like the, the tube tv ratio and the, oh, on the dvd so it's just like very dated looking but it worked for me i'm trying again and it's, we're gonna do it. People stay strong. A hard workout. Leaves. It can be hard yeah. workout. Yeah. It, I mean, well, I remember testing at first with the original one. Not not P ninety X, which is the crazy one. That's the, the one I have. Yeah. Yeah. That that one is insane. But the original one, they start you off kind of slow. Oh, I didn't realize there was. So I didn't realize there was an X versus. I just figured back then they just threw a bunch of stuff together. Yeah, X came out. It says 2007. I have one of the. DVDs. You lied to me. You told me it was a VHS. That's a DVD. You liar. I don't have a VHS. I'm saying that they uh, on, the, on the DVD they promote the VHS version as well. I had this in. I had this vision in my head Check that you were putting it into a, an old VHS player, and you had like the headband on, like the neon headband with the wristbands, Ooh, the spandex. That'd be cool. Yeah, but I, instead we balance board. I used to love that, but I found these at Goodwill. These are originally kind of expensive you know all fitness things yeah they, it's like 10 payments of 699 dollars for yeah. the rest of your life exactly yep that's it all right well thanks for watching everyone Peace no idea what we're going to talk about next time we'll think of something i'm sure yeah right. something else will come out take care like and subscribe and as always bye